She just had half a fiddle there. Goodness gracious. Give that girl a whole fiddle. No telling what she could do. Do you know the difference between a violin and a fiddle? The case you're carrying it in. You know, Texas, they'd put a fiddle in a toe sack, but Vienna, they'd put it in a case. So everybody okay? Yeah, let's talk about uh, you just a moment. Uh, did you know God knew before the foundation of the world that you'd be sitting in that chair today? Psalms 139, verse 16, 17, 18 says, all of our days are written in his book before we've ever lived a single one of them. So that would be June the 10th, 2018, somewhere back in eternity past, God picked up his pen and wrote that you would be sitting in that chair and I'd be standing in this pulpit. All of our days, that has to be today. Now, I am telling you, this day is orchestrated by the Lord. Say purpose. Now, if all of our days are written in his book before we've ever lived a single one of them, I suggest if we're gonna live a real, strong, absolutely victorious life, we need to make his journal become our journey. All of our days are written in his book. Have you noticed several times God talks about writing in his book? It says, if you meet together with one another and talk about God, God takes notice of it and writes in a book. That's Micah 3.16. Yeah, Micah 3.16 says, he notes those that talk about him often. Wow. Wow, I like that, don't you? So if you want your name in God's book, talk about him a lot. Well, let me tell you what. Uh, I'm a very, very, very busy person. Oh, Lord, we go all over the place. And uh, my wife said to me a few uh, days ago, she said, what, Bobby, I think we should be what? Earlier this week, what'd you say? We need to come to she said, I believe we need to go to the gathering church. I said, oh, Lord, okay. I just finished two meetings with Morningstar. There are two different conferences they had this week. Got on a plane, flew to uh, New Jersey, did the meetings in New Jersey, flew back yesterday, day before yesterday, wasn't And so, but listen, while we were down there in the Morningstar meetings, uh, I, I met Pastor David just coming out, and he said, I want you to come to church when you can. I thought, in the mouth of two or three witnesses. But then the Lord said, I do want you to come. And then uh, uh, Pastor David said, and we had told you you could use our facilities to do some of your conferences, and I'm going to take you up on that. Good. Listen, I really mean that. We're going to do some supernatural conferences in this place. I'm telling you, don't go to a natural place. Get to a supernatural place. Listen. God, God wants you to be supernatural. How supernatural does he want you? Philippians 4.13 says, I am infused with power. I am anointed and I'm ready for everything. Let, let me, can I read that for you? I'm, I, I read it out of the Amplified Classic Version of the Bible and uh, it, I hope you'll do the same thing. Listen, I'm reading out of Philippians 4.13. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiencies. Woo! Anything that comes your way, you're equipped for it through Christ. 
I can do all things through Christ who infuses me with power. Now, let, while we're talking about this just a little bit, I very seldom ever let people in on my, uh, my secrets because then they're not secrets anymore. But uh, people ask me, uh, this year I'll be 75 years old. They go, how in the world do you keep up such a rapid pace? How do you keep it up? You wanna know? I'll show it to you from the Bible. You ready? Now, here it is, and if it can happen for me, it can happen for you. I'll be reading a verse right now out of Colossians chapter 1. Say Colossians chapter 1, verse 29. That's the last verse in the book of Colossians. And I'll read the one right before that. Verse 28 says, uh, Him, Jesus Christ, we preach and proclaim, warning and admonishing everyone and instructing everyone in all wisdom and comprehensive insights into the ways and purposes of God that we might present every person mature, full-grown, fully initiated, complete and perfect in Christ, the anointed one. Verse 29, he said, I'm doing all of this so I can get you full grown so you'll take over family business. That's what that verse 28 says. Verse 29 says, for this I labor under weariness, striving with all the superhuman energy which he so mightily enkindles and works within me. I do it through superhuman energy. What? Superhuman energy right there. How do you get superhuman energy? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as of eagles. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. You can't get superhuman energy in your own ability. No, then it wouldn't it'd just be human energy, and that won't last long. You'll fizzle out, faint, fall out. But they that wait upon the Lord, now how do you wait upon the Lord? Well, number one, you get still enough and quiet enough to hear him. Psalms 46, 10 and 11 says, be still and know that I'm God. The devil will do everything he can to distract you and disturb you to keep you from hooking up with God. You remember what it says in the book of Job? Acquaint now thyself with God and be at peace and good will come unto you. Get to know God. Job, what, Job 22 something there, but you'll find it. Job 20, 21, something like that. Acquaint now thyself with God, be at peace and good will come to you. Now, how do you get to know God? Spend time with him. How do you spend time with him? You get in a quiet place. We got to learn how to get in the secret place. Psalms 91 verse one says, they that dwell in the secret place of the most high. Now it's not a location, but it's a person. We got to learn how to get in the things of God and let the things of God get into us. It's very important that we spend time with God. Is there, the question before us is, is there any benefit to knowing God? Daniel 11:32b. say it. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32b says, but the people that do know their God will display strength and take action. Woo! They will display strength and take action. One translation says, they'll do mighty exploits. So the devil knows that verse, but the people that do know their God will display strength and take action. So what would be one of his number one uh, ideas is to keep you busy, to get you distracted and disturbed so you won't spend time with God, because if you get to knowing God, God's gonna tell you who you are. We gotta get over this self-imposed amnesia. We're suffering from self-imposed amnesia. We don't wanna know who we are, thinking that will uh, uh, excuse us from being who we are. I'll tell you who you are, you wanna know? According to the Bible. And it, it's Revelations chapter one, verse five and six. Revelations chapter one, verse five and six says, unto him, God, that loved us, 
and washed us from our sins in its own blood and it's made us to be priests and kings. What? Priests and kings. The Bible says the word of a king has power. And the word power means operative authority. The word of a king has operative authority. And it says that a priest settles conflicts. So you're already one that has operative authority and you can stop trouble. Now, do you believe God has given us charge over this earth? Answer is yes. Where's that at, Bobby? Psalms 115. Now, the last time I was here, I stood in this pulpit and I quoted Psalms 115, verse 14, 15. The Lord increase you more and more, you and your entire family. May you be blessed of the God that made the heavens and the earth. That's a great verse. I didn't quote Psalms 115, verse 16. Psalms 115, verse 16 said, the heavens of heavens, that belongs to God, but this earth is your responsibility. God's gonna hold me and you accountable for how this planet goes. Yes. Go all the way back to Genesis 1:26. God has got a plot. He's got a plot and a plan. Let us make man in our own image and let's give them kingdom control. He's not, he's not uh, waffling on that plan one bit. Second Chronicles 16, 9 said, The eyes of the God are roving to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for what? People have no agenda, but his. He said, When I find them, I'll fully support all they put their hands to do. Isn't that wonderful? Second Chronicles 16, 9, for those of you that are looking that up. So people are going, y'all are going to Haiti, is that right? Good. And some going to Norway. Oh, we went to Norway. Oh, Lord. Back when they were going to have the Olympics, wasn't it? Little Hammer, Norway. Well, that was pretty wild. God wants to stir up those Vikings. And stir up. He, God, the Bible said God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of Christ. God is not willing that any should perish, so that all should come to repentance. The Bible says, how can, they, how can they know Jesus if they don't hear about him? And how can they hear about him if somebody don't, don't go tell them? We got to get busy and make the main thing the main thing. The main thing is getting the world saved. Getting the world saved, but they can't get saved till they hear the good news. The word gospel, gospel means good news. It makes you jump up and down when you hear it. But we've almost go, go well, you know, I don't want to be offensive, so I just kind of hint about the gospel. Go ahead and be offensive. Go ahead and be bold and brave. Go ahead and speak up and speak out. Be who you are. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. You are the salt of the earth. I detest that verse. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savior, it is good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the feet of men. I don't ever want to be classified and identified as a good for nothing Christian. I want to be functional. I want my light to shine and I want to be salt in the places that need preserving. Okay, now, one of the reasons I'm here is for 23 years, say 23 years, on the Day of Atonement, I have a visitation from Jesus Christ. Now, that is a mouthful. For 23 years, on the Day of Atonement, I have this encounter, this visitation from Jesus Christ. He'll tell me some of the things that's going to happen in the future. I write in a book called The Shepherd's Rod. This is the one for 2018. Now, you know you get them a year in advance, don't you? Now, well, I, I hope you do. Here we go. I, I'm reading on page 9, and I'm reading the second paragraph. It's Friday, September the 29th, 
2017 at 7.11 p.m. The sun is setting behind the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains, the long-awaited day of atonement that's now upon us. I am blessed to be sitting on my porch in our home in Moravian Falls, North Carolina, looking out over the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. The sky is golden with the sun setting, shimmering rays upon the clouds which appear to be almost golden on, on, on top and silver on the bottom. There's a sweet, soft, gentle breeze stirring the leaves on the trees. It is tranquil and peaceful. I am so grateful and thankful for the Father for his wonderful provision. This is page 10, second paragraph. I can't explain my feelings. At this moment, my physical body is calm and relaxed. However, within my spirit, there's an ex expectation and excitement and exhilaration that is beyond human words. I feel as though I could explode. I've, even after these encounters for 23 years, it's still spiritually electrifying beyond any human capacity or ability to accurately articulate and explain. Wow. I, can you feel me sitting on that porch? Something is about to happen. And I think this is probably one of the, one of the most uh, revelatory shepherd's rods we've ever printed. This is volume, uh, volume uh, 23, and here it is. The Lord said, watch this. He said, I'm tired of my people wallowing away in the pig pen of poor perception. He said, tell my people it's time for the ring and the robe. The ring in the road. Remember the prodigal son made some bad choices, ended up in a pig pen, and he said, I am no more worthy to be called a son. And I'll go back to my father, and I'll say to my father, Father, I am no more worthy to be your son. Just make me a hard slave. Wow. What does the father say? Okay. No way. The father said, no. This is my son who was dead, but he's alive forevermore. Go get a ring and go get a robe. Ro ring talks about authority and robe talks about uh, 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 prestige, honor. Honor and authority is what God's plan is for you. And so he said, it's time for the ring and the robe. I'll tell you what's gonna happen. I tell you, we're gonna learn more about sonship in the days to come than we've known in our whole life. The message of the hour right now is God wants us to mature up to the place where we can be mature sons and daughters of Almighty God so he can give us family business. The devil wants to, he hates the message of sonship more than any other message in the whole Bible. Now I'm gonna just read you a little bit. Remember now, you write this a year in advance. And uh, I'll read some of the prophetic things before we get into the sonship message. You, okay, you ready? Say yes. Okay, so I'm, I'm headed to chapter three. Uh, here we go. Uh, uh, actually, it's chapter five. Prophetic events, prophetic perspectives, and revelatory insights. Watchman, watchman. I'm screaming in it. I'd get so excited I could thread a sewing machine it running. Now, that's pretty excited, ain't it? I don't like preachers that mumble and apologize for nearly saying something. You ought to say what you believe and believe what you say, don't you think? All right, well, here we go. I, I, we've known Dave and Shirley for a long time. First time I came to Morningstar, you were Rick Joyner's secretary. You, he was. That was 90 what? 92, oh Lord. Then we, you were off down in Mobile. We went down to Mobile and preached with him in Mobile. We had some times down there. Good gracious. Whew, isn't that, watch the kids grow up. Oh man, talk to, isn't that something? I'll tell you, they're faithful and they're steadfast people. They're not flighty, they're, they're solid as a rock. Say solid. solid. And that's what you need. My wife and I get to go all over the world. 
And I'm telling you, thank God for steadfast leaders that are there. They got integrity. They got character. They got they they've got a understanding about. You know, I want people to have common sense. I don't know what it seems like. Our country is just flushed tall common sense down the drain. We need common sense, don't you think? Well, I do. What is common sense? Just common sense. Well, I, I think common sense is we don't need transgender in the military and us paying for a sex change operation. That don't sound like common sense to me. Something's out of control, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You pay your tax dollars for somebody to have a sex change operation? No. Not now, thank God, but, uh, well, okay, let me get back to this. Watchman, watchman, what do you see? Says, I will convey the events that occurred during this day of atonement as they unfold. Please get, I received these visions and by dreams, vision, trances, as well as visitation of my heart's deepest desire is I want God to communicate to me in a manner in which he chooses. My heart's cry is, oh Lord, give me listening ears and seeing eyes and then I want to communicate it to you in a way you can apprehend it and comprehend it. So here it is, Jeremiah. You say, why don't you write it down? I'll do it because of Jeremiah 30, verse 2. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. Write it in a book, everything that I tell you that you see. That's good. Jeremiah 30, verse, Jer- Jeremiah 30, verse 2. Here's one, Habakkuk 2, 2. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and engrave it so plainly upon the tablets that everyone who passes by them will be able to read it and easily and quickly follow it. All right, so that's one of the things we need to do. So here, here's one thing. I, I, like, I like this one pretty well. Uh, we, we talked about hope growing brighter. We talked about America's going to repent. We talked about uh, there's going to be a, a real uh, blessing come to America. I saw the, the stars on the stri- flag begin to twinkle. I said, what's that? He said, America will begin to repent, and there'll be great blessings coming. We need to pray for Europe, just like the pastor was saying here. Here's one, here's one page 97. See if this is as current as your morning news this morning. The devil's plan is for the war to erupt and explode in, national and, uh, in nations around the world. However, God's plan is for, for peace. Let's join with Christ in his prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Ticking time bomb, North Korea. Uh, it says, I was shown that North Korea was a real threat and a ticking time bomb. However, the church can and must defuse this bomb with intercessory prayer. It is time to rise up and drive back the spirit of death and destruction. True intercessory prayer can and must stop this ticking clock. Do you see how important it is to take very seriously the prophetic warning? And so listen, President uh, Trump is meeting, what, tomorrow? Yeah, isn't that something? Yeah, I'm telling you guys, that's supernatural in it. And I believe it's happening because the church has begun to pray. See, I'm telling you, all the diplomatics and all of that, that won't work. But I'll tell you what will work. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek his face, turn from their wicked ways, then he'll hear from heaven. Then he'll forgive our sins and he'll heal our land. I'm telling you, a great revival is gonna break out upon the people of God because we understand that's our only hope. Our only hope of real restoration is getting back to God. The number one word across the body of Christ right now is recalibration. We got to go back, Revelation chapter 2, we got to go back to first love. Remember it says, this thing I have against you, you've abandoned me, your first love. My advice to you is repent and return back to, quick, uh, to first love. But anyway, so we're talking about this. I wrote about the me too thing before it was me too. 
And I, I, said, uh, I said that those people that have done wicked deeds, they're going to be exposed, and uh, I'm thankful for that, aren't you? Say yes. All right, there's a lot of stuff. Now, okay, see if, see if this is, uh, see if this is uh, uh, current. The mountains, will flow, the mountains will blow and the rivers of fire will flow. Expect to see ash in the air and rivers of burning lava flowing. We will see seismic earthquakes and volcanic activity in an all-time high. As the earth shudders, the bowels of the earth are convulsing. You might say, well, Bobby, why is the bowels of the earth convulsing? Romans 8, 19. Romans 8, 19 says, the, un the entire universe the whole creation is groaning and travailing, wanting us to step out of our dilemma and step into our identity as the manifested sons of God. So now that's going to get me back to the, the, the message of declaring about sonship. I've been preaching 49 years, average speaking five times a week for 49 years. Good Lord, I'm living proof. Practice won't make perfect. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can feel you. Some of you are going, well, you ought to be better at it by now. Nah. The Lord told me, he said, you amuse me, boy. That's what he said. But anyway, I'm going to read about sonship now. Out of 49 years of preaching, I've only seen the devil twice. I've seen demons. I'll just, I'll just, I'll, I'll catch you up on it right here just, just for a moment. Uh, man, I'll tell you what. Uh, here it is. Now, never, never attempt to initiate an uh, encounter with the devil at all. Leave, leave it alone. In 48 years of ministering, I've had untold encounters with the spirit realm, both holy and hellish. However, I've only seen Satan twice. In one of these encounters, I was suddenly approached by the devil. He came in a winsome, handsome way. He did not appear in a flaming suit of fire. There was no horns, no pitchfork in his hands. Quite the contrary, he was brilliant and stunning and beautiful, yet reeking with evil wickedness beyond human uh, ability to describe. All right, now I want you to see something. The devil's not going to come to you looking like the devil. He came looking like a chiseled Spanish prince, handsome and winsome. And here's what he said. Uh, he said, all of these, and he did his hands like in a panoramic thing. He said, all of these, and he did just like he did with Jesus. He showed me the kingdoms of this world. He said, these will be yours if you'll get away from the sonship message. David, that's when I knew we had him. I made up my mind I'm going to pour into the people of God the sonship message one way or the other. And so here we go. Now we're going to talk about sonship message. You ready? Say yes. Oh, boy. You say, well, I know about it. I don't think so. If you knew about it, you wouldn't be living as low par as you are. I'm telling you, you'd realize you're, you've got authority, you've got ability to stop the devil's plans and purposes. But anyway, uh, let me, let me, here, here's a good verse about it. Uh, listen, James chapter 2, verse 5. Listen, my brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith as believers to be heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? Now, here it is. We're talk, talking about sons. When I say sons, I'm not talking about gender. I'm not talking about male or female. I'm talking about maturity. I'm talking about maturity. When I, when I read their word, in, when you read this word in this book called sons, it's talking about weos. There's two words for son. One means little child, and the other means full-grown man ready to take over family business. When I'm referring to sons, that's what I'm talking about. And here's what it says. First John, say first John. First John chapter three, verses one through three. First John chapter three, verse one through three says, behold, and it's not, that's, that, that most of the time in your New Testament, when you find the word behold, it means focus, firmly focus, but not here. Uh, if I could translate it and paraphrase it into a way that we could grasp it, I, I would say something like this, 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Can you imagine? 
Can you imagine what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called, identified, classified as the mature sons and daughters of Almighty God? Therefore, the world knows us not because it does not know Him. See, that's what it is. It says, can you imagine? Okay, you'll get it. It's coming your way. I promise you. And if you wake up and realize, here's, here's one about becoming a mature son. It's John 1, 12. But as many as receive him, Jesus, to them he gives the right, the privilege to be the sons of God. Now, Romans 8, Romans 8, verse 14 says, well, you want to read it in the Bible or you can read in this book. It, it, both of them came out of the same place. Here's one. Yeah, here's Romans 8, 17. And if we are his children, then are we his heirs, heirs also of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his spiritual blessings and inheritance, if indeed we share his sufferings so that we might be, share his glory. But it says we're joint heirs with Jesus. Let's just stop just a moment, a moment. Joint heirs with Jesus. Revelations chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 6 says, God spoke to us in times past, but now he's spoken to us through his son, and he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Now, let's talk about our inheritance just for a moment. Now, I, I don't know much, I don't know about the uh, stuff here in uh, North Carolina a lot, but I know in Texas, if you're going to go down to get a loan at the bank, you go in there and there'll be some banker sitting there and you'll say I would like to have a loan for this amount of money and they would say something like this do you have collateral uh, what are your assets is that right now I want to show you as a son of God what your assets are you are legally half owner of the universe what you are right now, through Christ, legally half owner of the universe. You say, is that in the Bible? Absolutely. Anything I preach, I can show it to you in the Bible. Now you say, well, what translation do you use when I preach? All of them. I study it in every one I can find. And then when I preach, I amalgamate them together. But when I read to you, I read out the Amplified Classic Version of the Bible. I would suggest you do that. Don't get the one in 2015. It's, it's lame. Get the AMPC, AMPC. The, the new one is, does not have the sting that this one does, but here we go. I'm reading out of Hebrews chapter one, starting with verse one, talking about your inheritance. If you think all you've got is what you've got in the bank and the savings, you don't know who you are. Here we go. Verse one, in many separate revelations, each of which sets forth a portion of the truth, and in different ways God spoke of old to our forefathers in and by the prophets. Verse 2, but in the last of these days, he, he has spoken to us in the person of a son, whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things. Our elder brother right here has been appointed owner of all things. We just read you a verse, because you receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior and you're mature enough to be a son, now you're co-owner of this whole universe. Let me read that. Whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things, also by whom and through whom he created the worlds and the reaches of space and the ages of time he made, produced, built, operated, arranged them in order. Verse three, he is the sole expression of the glory of God, the, out, out, the light 
being, the outraying of the radiance of the divine, and he is a perfect imprint in the very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. Whoo! I want you to shake yourself and say, whoa, I didn't know all this was mine. It is. All of, listen, you, you need to get into this sonship book and find out what it means to be an heir and a joint heir with Jesus. I like that, don't you? Oh, yeah, it says, listen to me, my brothers and sisters. I'll teach you some things. Do you believe there's things you can accelerate the things God wants to do for you? Here's a great verse. I love it. It's Psalms 8411. Psalms 8411 says, he'll give you present day favor, future glory, honor, splendor, and heavenly bliss. That's quite, that's stair-stepping. Do you see it? Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's Psalms 84, 11. He'll give us present day favor. He says, son, the shield to us. He'll give us present day favor. No, and it's pretty wild. He'll give us future glory, honor, splendor, and heavenly bliss. Is there any way we could and accelerate that? It is. 2 Corinthians 3, 18 says, as we behold him with an unveiled face, we're changed from one dimension of glory to the next. So we've got to get everything out of the way so we can see him like he is. Say yes. Okay, okay. so here we go. Here's that verse that I was reading to you a while ago. 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, which we called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we should be known. But we know this, that when he shall appear, we shall see him as he is, and we shall be like him. Every person has this hope in himself, purifies himself, even as he is pure. Wow. That's pretty good. And I like that. But I, I like the fact that we're joint heirs, and because we're joint heirs, we, here, here it is. This is Romans 8, verses 14 through 16. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For the Spirit which you have now received is not the Spirit of slavery to put you once more uh, in, into bondage to fear, but you have received the Spirit of adoption, the Spirit producing sonship in, in the bliss of which we cry out, Daddy! Isn't that good? I like that. Abba, Father, the Spirit itself thus testifies together with us and our own spirit assuring us that we are sons of God. I like that. Aren't you glad? Say yes. yes. I like that. Okay. Let, let's see. It says, uh, this is also in, in, in Romans uh, 8. It says, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and the children and heirs, and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs, anything. What does joint heir mean? You find a lawyer asking him about it. A lawyer would tell you to be a joint heir means anything he has, the heir, you have equal share. And we've already found out he's the, co he's the absolute rightful owner of the whole universe. He keeps it humming and spinning. So that's what you are. You're half owner of the whole universe. Wow. Well, Bobby, I don't know about all that. I do. Believe me when I tell you. See, if the devil can keep you dull and dumb concerning who you are, you won't realize what you really, really, really are capable of in this life. Here it is, Galatians 3, verse 29. And if you belong to Christ or in him who is Abraham's seed, then you are Abraham's offspring and spiritual heirs according to the promise. You know why I put that verse in there? Because some people go, uh-uh, I now. That's old covenant, that's for the Jews. No, not, not, not according to this verse. Uh, it's Galatians, New Testament. Yes! Why was it written? Oh, to show us that we got a better, better plan than they had. Amen. Here it is. Galatians 3, 29. And if you belong to Christ or are in him who is Abraham's seed, then you are Abraham's offspring and spiritual heirs according to the promise. That means every promise given to the Jews is yours. 
Wow, that's pretty good. See, we've got to get rid of that. that here it is. We've got to get rid of that. Get, here we go. We've got to get rid of the poison of poor perception. And the only antidote for that venom is the truth. You'll know the truth. The truth will emancipate you. That's the anti-venom. Y'all know what that is, don't you? Okay. Oh, this, this is good. I'm supposed to give. Um, Carolyn said, you can, did, I, did you get this one? I've already scratched. Okay, I've scratched around anyway. Give it to somebody. Anything else? There's other books out there, but I, one of them, here's one of them. Good Lord. The Lord told me, said, I want you to write a unique book. The Lord told me, I want you to write a unique book. I said, hold it, time out. What is your definition of unique? He said, people are living a fast-paced life right now. Very seldom will they sit down and read 259 pages of a book. But he said, I want you to write a 250-page book, but I want you to do it uniquely. I want you to write every chapter like it's a full book, but make every chapter step into the next chapter. And so that's what we've done. Living in, the, living in God's light, discovering the pathway to divine purpose. You can't know the plan of God walking in the dark. God, Psalms 36 verse 9, Psalms 36 verse 9 says, with him is a pathway of life, and in his light we see light. Psalms 18 verse 28 says, he will light my lamp, my spirit, my lamp, and it'll flood my whole life with light. You believe God wants to light up your life? And in Ephesians 1, 17, 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be flooded with revelatory light. You'll have a grasp and a comprehension of the ways of God. So this is one living in the light. The first chapter. Now, if you were going to write a unique book uh, to a society like we're living in, what, what, what would you come up with as the first chapter? Here's what this one is. It's time for a fresh start. Aren't you ready for a fresh start? It's time for us to step into the dawning of a new day. Psalms 30, verse 5. Psalms 30, verse 5 says, God's anger is for a tiny moment. His favor is for a complete lifetime. Weeping will last of the night, but joy will come in the morning. It's time to shake ourselves out of the dust of yesterday and step into our new day. It's time for a fresh start. Then the next, the, that, that was chapter 1. Now, here, here's chapter 2. You ready? And after this, I heard a voice that said, come up here. You don't get a fresh start to fall back in the same pit you're in. You get a fresh start to accelerate upward. And after this, I heard a voice that said, come up here. And I looked, and there was a door standing open in heaven, a portal, a gate. You and I can access the things of God. Zechariah 3, 7 says, if we honor God, serve him, do what he commissions us to do, he will give us unfettered access to his presence. Woo. Okay, so that's the second chapter. I know you're thrilled about wanting to know what the third one is, aren't you? Now, you don't make up your mind to have a fresh start and get close to God without a battle. So this one is, it's time to contend without compromise. We got to learn to fight for what God gives us. If we're passive, the devil is still every trophy God wants to give us. And this is a lot out of the book of Jude. It's high time to wake up, wake up the warriors. Now, I, I don't know where we got this, uh, that uh, if you get saved, you get spirit-filled, all your troubles are over. <laughs> I just read the Bible. It said the servant, that's us, is no greater than his master. Our master, they pulled his beard out, spit in his face, tacked him to a tree. 
the servants no greater news. I think the only reason that we're not under more persecution is we're so distant from elder brother. I promise you in this hostile world, if we get more like Jesus, the word persecution will pick up. But it's worth it. Paul said, I fought a good fight. Now, I, I used to be a street fighter. Now, you get, the, you get the crud beat out of you, that ain't a good fight. Paul said, I fought a good fight. You know what the good one is, don't you? It's when your opponent's laying down. Romans 16, 20 says your opponent is laying down. Romans 16, 20 says, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Romans 16, 20. Luke 10, 19. Behold. I'm screaming, behold. I give you power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and let no wise harm you. And he used two different words there. He says, I give you authority to stop the devil's ability. What ability does the devil have? John 10, 10. The thief comes but for to steal, kill, maim, and destroy. But I've given you authority to stop that. Matthew 18, 18 says, whatever heaven says is illegal, you have the privilege to deem it illegal here. You can say, nope, that won't work here. Matthew 18, 18, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound for you in heaven, whatever. Anyway, so that, that's this book. So, and then here's one, Carolyn, called what? Legacy and Lineage Line. I guess it might have been four years, could have been six years. But anyway, the Lord said, I want you to go up and down the land and announce somebody's going to write a book about Legacy and Lineage Line and help, uh, help save a generation. So I'd go to places and I'd say what? Somebody's got to write a book about legacy and lineage line. It's going to help save a generation. I said it year, uh, and then finally Carolyn said to me, Bobby, I believe God's talking to you about writing that book. <laughs> so I said, okay, Lord, you want me to write that book? And it came like a waterfall. <laughs> oh, man, the, the skeletal part of it came like a flood, honestly. And so I got busy writing on it. Then I got really busy traveling. I'm driving from the house down to the airport. And Jesus appeared and said, hey, Bobby, how's your legacy and lineage line book coming? That's what he said. And I said, well, Lord, I've got real busy, and I've kind of pushed it to the back burner. That back burner stuff won't work with him. He said to me, I intend for you to cancel some meetings, clear your schedule, get in a quiet place, and finish the legacy and lineage line book. I canceled some meetings, got in a quiet place, and finished the, the first edition of Legacy and Lineage Line. They sold out just like that, didn't they, Carolyn? And then the Lord said, I want you to, I want you to revise Legacy and Lineage Line and add a whole bunch of pages here about how the people can become perennial priests over their family and how they can break off ancestral curses and how they can speak blessings of God into their family's life. And we actually put the blessings in here. I, and I'll show you how to do it. I declare in the name of Jesus, my son, my daughter, and then we give you verses to declare over them. Here's a great verse. Psalms 112 verse 2. That verse says the offspring of the upright, that's your children, will be mighty in the earth. So the Hebrew word mighty means they'll advance swiftly and take charge. Here's another verse about your children. You ready? Isaiah 44, 3 and 4. Isaiah 44, 3 and 4, God speaking, says, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, floods upon dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants, and they will spring up like willows by a fertile riverbank. 
See, if you as a parent are hungry and thirsty, your children will flourish. Isaiah 44, 3 and 4. Wow. Don't you want to break off ancestral curses? Do you believe there's such a thing as ancestral curses? You ever gone to the doctor and the doctor sits you down and says, does this run in your family? I'm telling you guys. See, they understand about it. And you and I need to realize when we gave our heart to Jesus, Colossians 1.13 says, we are taken out of one family, boom, we're put into another family. That's Colossians 1.13. He takes us out of the family of darkness, death, and destruction and puts us into the family of life, liberation, and love. Colossians 1.13. That's the best exchange ever in the world. Out of darkness into life. Aren't you glad? You read this book if I give it to you? Now don't let it hit you in the eye. It'll be a healing meeting. God bless you. Well, you say, well, anything else? Oh, I've got a whole bunch of books out there. One of them's called Master's Plan Divine Design. You know what? A lot of people think they're a biological burp. Now, what is biological study of life? What's a burp? Don't make me do one. Something that slips out you think you have to be apologetic about. You are not a biological burp. God himself engineered your birth. That's what it says. Before you were formed, I knew you. Psalms 139, it says it. He knew you before you were you. Ephesians 2.10 says he gave you things to do. That's where that book came from. Master's Plan, Divine Design. I wrote it out in Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 says we're his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God before ordained, we'd conduct ourselves in them. So I studied that in every English translation I could find on earth. Ephesians 2.10. One of them says, you're his stroke of genius to display his God deeds. Wow, that's pretty wild, isn't it? One of them says, you're the best God could do to display who he is. So when the devil goes, who do you think you are? Go, I'm the best God could do. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. And it all came from that little word, workmanship. It's a Greek word where Paul wrote it, and it means the final stroke of a master artist. That's who you are. So you need to study about the plans God has for you. You can do something no other human being on earth can do. 7.6 billion people here, not in this room, but on earth. And not a single one like you. You are divinely unique. You believe that? Isn't that cool? That's so important that we learn how to be us instead of trying to be cloned into somebody else. The greatest freedom you can find is just being you yielded to him then you don't have to worry what, just be yourself. It takes all the sweat out of it. He, if he wanted you like somebody else, he'd have made somebody else. He wants you. You're, you're unique to him. And anyway, I want you to just fall in love with the fact that God loves you like you are. Your friends won't. He knows every bad thing we've ever done still loves us. Your friends see some dirt on you, they'll distance themselves. But when Jesus sees you struggling, he does what? Draws near. He's a friend that does what? Sticks closer than a brother. I like that, don't you? Anything else, Carolyn, you got any? How long have we been married? 50 what? 54 years, isn't it? If Carolyn calls me and I go, who is this? Whoa. See, I'm trying to tell you, nothing is going to help you grow like intimacy. We need to get so close to Jesus we can tell what's going on just by the way he feels. So, you got anything to say? Come up here just a moment. This is Caroline. I thought earlier you needed to tell them what Mike Bickler told you. Oh, Lord. About, you know, when I suggested yeah, yeah, us yeah. coming to church here. 
All right. I didn't want her to say this, but anyway. Years ago, years ago. will love me for sure. Years ago, every time I'd turn around, Carolyn, and say, now, Bobby, you need to listen to me on this. You know, have you ever listened, but you, you heard, but you didn't listen? Yeah. She would say to me, yes, but Bobby, you really need to listen to me on this. And this is back before I'd ever met Mike Bickle. And so Paul Kane was a friend. And so Paul Kane says, we were down in Houston doing a meeting, and Mike Bickle was there. And Paul Kane said, I want you to spend some time with Mike, and I want you to pour everything that you know into him. So he said, would you carry him to the airport? I said, yeah, down Houston. So we got Carolyn's in the back, Mike's over here by the uh, window, and we're driving. And I'm doing what Paul had said. I'm just pouring these prophetic things loose on Mike, and he interrupts me when I stop to take a breath. And here's what he says. Yes, but do you listen to your wife? I said, guess what I said to him? I'll stop this car and put you out. Is that what I said to him? I'll stop this car on the freeway and put him out. But I'll tell you what, two is better than one, though, isn't it? Two heads are better than one. And so we've, we've been married 54 years, having a time, busy as all get out. But it's, listen, it's a good time. Enjoy what you do. If you don't enjoy what you do, examine it and see what's wrong. Now, I don't like these pictures of Jesus. You see, it looks like a Holocaust victim. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. I know he was acquainted with sorrow and grief, but it also says he was anointed with the oil of gladness far above his brothers. That just simply means Jesus Christ was the happiest man ever lived. And how do you get happy? Psalm 1611. Psalm 1611 says, In his presence is fullness of joy at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. One of the conferences we're going to do here, we're going to talk about getting into the secret place of the Most High. Amen. And that's his presence. And I'm telling you, I'm stunned how many verses there is in the Bible about the presence of God and the privileges and the benefits and the blessings of getting into the presence of God. Here's what Moses said about it. You want to see it? Exodus 33, 17. Oh God, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't carry us anywhere. Only your presence will make us unique from all the humans on this earth. Wow. The only thing that makes us different than all the other billions of people is his presence. It says about the early church, the disciples, they looked at those guys and they figured out they were ignorant and untrained. But they took notice of them. They'd been with Jesus. Yeah. Hi, baby. What's your name? What's your name? Can you, t can you tell me your name? See, if I was real prophetic, I'd know it. I got a friend, he could call your name. I said, Sean, they know their name. Tell them something they don't know. You know how the birds go? <laughs> you know, birds talk to me. They really do. A bee came and lived. Well, anyway. Yeah, I was talking to some people that were kind of odd against the Holy Ghost, and a little bee was going, bzz, 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 bzz. I said, Lord. He said, you said bee? I said, yes. He said, call attention to it. So I said to these guys, you said bee? And they go, yeah. Then I said, watch this. See, I just play it by ear. Watch this. And he said, stick your finger up. So I stuck my finger up, and I said to that bee, come light on my finger. And he goes, bzz, bzz. Oh, wow. 
their mouths drop down like this. See, they don't have that in theological class. But I'm telling you, the whole creation is wanting us to step into identity. Don't you believe it? That's why all these earthquakes are happening. Well, anyway, we got to get out of here. So you're going to Haiti, is that right? Good. I like the verse she gave you, be bold. Here's a good one, Joshua 1, 9. Be bold, be brave, be very courageous. Go do what you're called to do because you're not going by yourself. One of the things you and I are going to have to learn is to look for God in the little things. He always will give you a token before he gives you a treasure. He'll start with a little thing to see if that'll get your attention. Example, Moses saw a bush burning, but it wasn't consumed. Little thing. So he turned aside. He got the treasure leading the people of God out. Remember that? John the Revelator, Isle of Patmos, gets a token, heard a voice. He turned, he'll see the voice, and he got the treasure of writing the book of Revelation. God will do a little thing to see if it'll get your attention. If you, if you check out on the little thing, you can miss a big one. Learn to look for the small things. The Bible says, despise not the day of small beginnings. I learned this lesson. I was walking the Swiss Alps. Oh, man, they were beautiful, magnificent, big old giant mountains. And I'm walking there, and the Lord said, isn't that beautiful? I said, oh, yes, Lord. He said, no, no, isn't that beautiful? I said, yes, Lord. I, I thought he was talking about the mountains. He said, no. Then he directed my attention right down to my path right there in the rock and in the the granite there between the rocks was a little bitty purple flower no bigger than a match head and it's the most gorgeous I got on my hands and knees and got this close to it I looked at it and the Lord said Bobby I watched that seed as the wind carried it over the mountains I watched that seed as it nestled between those rocks and I'm the one that fertilized and brought that and he was more concerned about me seeing that little flower than the gigantic mountains you and I better slow down a bit to see some of the beauty and the things around us. There's little things God's doing to try to get our attention. Some of the greatest moves of God I've had in my life started with just what I thought was a car light flash by and ended up went all the way into heaven. If I just go, ah, oh, well, you know, that's just a car. Now he'll do a little thing to see if he'll rouse you to follow him for the big thing. Wow. I don't want to miss a single thing, do you? I, I used to be so wrong. I used to think if God had something really important to say to me, he'd get me by the shoulders and go, Bobby! <laughs> it's right the opposite. He said, it's a sign of your immaturity if I have to shout at you. He said, you should be so close to me, I can guide you with my eye. Have you ever watched your mama guide the baby with your eye? They can, can't they? Uh -huh. What's that a sign of prior instructions? Well, we got to go, haven't we? We may go out and eat somewhere, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? That's your own. I've been trying to convince a cardiologist that carrot cake's a vegetable. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. These guys are funny that way. They... Well, anyway, I want to pray for you. Now, here, now, let me explain to you my manner of preaching. The Lord told me, said, Bobby, you talk so fast they'll never be able to take notes. But he said, leave their head alone. Go after their heart. He told me, he said, when you preach, Bobby, fling the seed into their heart. Fling the seed into their heart. He said, I will guard the seed you put in their heart. I'll keep the fowler there from stealing a single seed. I'll cause the seed to spring up and bring forth fruit that will remain. And then he said, you tell the people wherever you go, you tell the people they're going to get an impartation whether they want it or not. 
from Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. I said to him, God, how can I tell them they can get impartation whether they want it or not? He said, you can get around somebody that's infectious and you can be contaminated. So you're going to get an impartation today from Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. That verse says, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the everlasting, never-failing covenant, make you perfect, give you everything you need to accomplish the task you've been sent to do. You do believe in impartation, don't you? Romans 1, 11, I yearn to be with you that I might impart to you a charisma, a spiritual gift that will cause you to have the ability to do what you're commissioned to do. So that's what you're going to get. Uh, Romans, uh, that, that's good. Romans 1, 12 says it'll be good for both of us, be mutually blessing for both of us. But anyway, so you're going to get that Hebrews 10. It says make you perfect. So I looked up the Greek word perfect. Guess what it means? I'll tell you, it means missing no component. It means everything you need, you have. Now, every verse in the Bible usually has a, a kindred verse that explains it. Do you see the exp explanation of you having everything you need is Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Colossians 2, 9 says, everything God is, is in Christ. And then Colossians 2.10 says, everything Christ is, is in you. Wow. wow. Yeah, you have everything you need. Have you ever tried to put something together and parts were missing? That's not your problem. Everything you need, you have. If we'll just learn how to let God use it. So I want that impartation, don't you? Make you perfect. Missing no component. Wow. Remember when I, years ago, we got two sons. One's what, 53? 52 and the other's 47. Oh, when they were little. I, I wanted to get them a, a swing set. So we went to Sears and Roebuck. Sears store. And the boys were little then. So I'm looking and they had a swing set. Slide swings, little ladder. And I said, I'd like one of those. I want a swing set. The little lady said, oh, that's wonderful. She said, pull around to the back and we'll load it. I thought, okay. So I paid for the swing set, but pulled my truck around to the loading dock. Now I'm expecting the swing set. <laughs> Guess what they loaded up? Two big old cardboard boxes. I said, where's the swing set? in the box I said no where's the swings in the box now I had a meltdown trying to put the swing set together I'm bleeding on my knuckles it was crazy craziest mess you, I pulled things and, and parts just cling, 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 cling. and my little son bless his heart I'm having a meltdown out there. I'm bleeding. I'm mad as a wasp. <laughs> dumbest thing you've ever seen. And then my little son said, he pushed his glasses up on his head and he says, Daddy, Daddy, maybe you ought to read the destructions. <laughs> he meant instructions. But the way I was going, destruction fit the thing. I dug in the bottom of the box and there it was. The plan it had put bolt A uh, and hook on nut B. 
and there I, you know, so when I got to the destructions, things worked out better. Oh, yes. He came up with one of these things. He said, I, he was talking one time. He said, Daddy, you're listening, but you're not hearing. My little boy, good gracious, bless his heart. He works for us now. Both of our boys work for us. Goodness gracious. It's, it's something. They grow up just like that, don't they? Just you turn around about twice. And, but that's wonderful. I carried him on a ministry trip with me when he was a little bitty kid, and he had just got one of these electronic football games. So I, I'm in a hotel room, and one of the things I do in the hotel room, I look for the smoke alarm in case there's a fire. You know what I mean? Then you know. So at least I look up there and I see a smoke alarm. So I'm laying across the bed exhausted. He's over there with his football game. And I just drift off, and the football game scores. It goes, I think for good, I think we're on fire. You know what I mean? So I'm jumping up trying to drag him in my suitcase out, the, and it was him on the game. So I responded as gentle dad I am, how do you expect me to study with that crap going on? You know what the Lord said? I am so ashamed of you. That's what he said. He said, you brought your son to be on a mission trip, and here you have just chewed him out, and you're angry. And I said, oh. So I had to apologize to the Lord. I had to apologize to my son. So we put all the study up stuff and took off and went to every ice cream parlor we could find in that town. Now, he remembers that trip. You remember that? Oh, Lord. Uh, anyway, one time my older son, his job was to mow the yard. Mow the yard at the parsonage. And I came in once, and he had mowed all the yard except one little strip over there by the flower bed. So I come run, running into the house, and instead of commending him on all that he had done, I focused on the one spot he'd missed. Wow, so I chewed him out about responsibility and finishing a job, doing the tasks you're assigned to do. You understand that? Then I go into my study, and I open my Bible. It was just blank. I said, Lord, what is it? He said, aren't you glad I don't treat you just like you treated your son? See, I didn't compliment him on all the rows he'd mowed. My focus was on the one row he didn't mow. I didn't ask, did the mower break? I didn't ask if the gas quit, if the motor quit running. All I did was just chew him out for what I saw wasn't done. And the Lord said to me, aren't you glad I don't treat you that way? Wow. I got the feeling about that big. So I apologize to the Lord, and I go in there and apologize to my son. I'll tell you one of the hardest words in the vocabulary for us is I am sorry. You ought to practice it. I am sorry. Wow. See, God resists the what? But he'll give overflowing grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he'll exalt you. Now, just about the time you think you run the show, you'll find out, hey, you can fall off the wagon just like that. But aren't you glad he's faithful? Yes. Here's your great verse. You ready? And I'm through. I'm going to pray for you. Here it is. You ready? Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very fact, he that's begun a good work in you will continue it. 
I read the Bible, he's author and finisher, not author and oops. You ever start a project, oh, he's not that away. He finished it before he ever begun it. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes teaches. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 said, there is a time and season, a purpose for every activity of God under heaven. Let me pray for you. Would you stand up, please, and we'll, we'll pray. That'll be fun. Now, when you pray, expect to get an answer. The Bible says, he that comes to God must believe that God is, and God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. See, if you're not expecting an answer, they lock people up for talking to somebody they can't see. You need to expect God to answer you. Here's another verse if you want about an answer. 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask him anything according to his word, we know that he hears us. If we know that he hears us, we're totally confident we're going to get what we're asking. So, Father, I want to thank you. You're a prayer-answering God. Lord, thank you for letting us come here to the gathering. Thank you for Dave and Cheryl and all the team here. And I pray that blessings up on this place. I thank you, Lord, that you will set these mountains ablaze with your glory. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for letting us be in the kingdom for such a time as this. I bless the works that's happening here and up and down the regions. I pray, Lord, that you would do Isaiah 43 through 5, the voice of one in the wilderness crying, prepare you the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway, lower the mountains and fill in the valleys. You said in verse 5, and the glory of the Lord would be revealed and all flesh would sit together because the mouth of the Lord declared it. So, Lord, fill this earth with the knowledge of the glory of your Son. Lord, get the glory due your name. Bless your people today. I pray that you'll inspire our hearts, you'll increase our faith, and we'll be a force to reckon with on this earth. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, God bless you. I'll be out there signing books, and we'll have a good time.